How lovely to see you and welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival. My name's Nikki Gamble and I'm really delighted to be introducing Narinda Dami to talk to you today. Have we got any football fans in the room? Right, okay. Well, do you know, do you think for too long that uh, all the football stories have been boys' stories? I do and I'm really excited that we've got some girl football stories as well, so I'm looking forward to hearing all about that. Narinda actually worked on a film that you might have seen, a very famous film called Bend It Like Beckham. She wrote the novelisation for that film. And now, years later, she's gone back to revisit football and she's written four great football stories, the first one of which has been published called Hannah's Secret. Uh, and there are another three that are coming out. The next one will be early next year. And by July, you'll have four fantastic football stories from Narinda. Now, today she's going to tell us a little bit about her life and writing. She's going to read to us from her story, and then there will be time for some questions and answers. And at the end, I'll tell you how you can get your book signed as well. But for now, if you could give a really warm welcome to Narinda. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming to this event this morning. Um, this is a, not the first time I've been to Edinburgh, um, but the first time I came, I didn't come to the festival, so I'm really, really excited to be here today. I'm excited because I'm going to be talking to you about one of my favourite subjects, which is obviously football. And I'm going to tell you how football became a part of my life, but I'm also going to tell you and show you in pictures the story of how I grew up to become a writer. So before I go on and tell you lots more about the beautiful game, which is my new series, I'm going to start where all good stories start, which is right at the very beginning. And that was many years ago when I was born in Wolverhampton in the West Midlands. Now, I think I was what was called a bonnie bouncing baby. Uh, certainly, I looked there like if you dropped me, I would certainly bounce. Um, my dad came from India to the UK to live and work here many years ago. And he got a job as a bus driver. And he was driving his bus around Wolverhampton in the West Midlands. And one day, my mum, who is English, got on that bus, they saw each other, and they fell in love and got married. And I came along a few years later, um, followed by my two sisters. Now, here I am, about two years old, in my very best party dress. Now, when I was about two years old, my mum insists, because I can't actually remember that far back, my mum insists that a year or two after this, I had taught myself to read. Now, I know that books have always been a really important uh, part of my life, and I actually can't remember a time when I didn't love books. But I'm not quite sure if that's just my mum boasting about how clever and intelligent her daughter was. But my mum insists that by the time I was just a little bit older than this, I could actually read before I even went to school. And my very favourite books I used to go to the library to borrow because my dad was just was a bus driver and my mum was a housewife. We didn't have a lot of money to spend on books. So, of course, the best place to go if you want books and you can't afford to buy them all the time is the library. So every week, my mum would take me to the old, big old Victorian library in the middle of Wolverhampton Town Centre. And there, I would run to the picture book section to see if they had my favourite books, which were about a rabbit called Pookie. Now, Pookie was no ordinary rabbit, as you can probably see, because he's wearing clothes. But the thing about Pookie that made him a really, really special rabbit was he could fly. And there he goes, 
across the sky. So Pookie had loads of magical, exciting adventures. And I remember being so excited and running to the picture book section to see if there was a new Pookie adventure there on the shelves for me to borrow. Right, let's move on a little with my story. Here I am, about four or five years old here. And obviously, I went off to school where, according to my mum, again, the teachers were really impressed that I could read um, before I went to school. Unfortunately, I wasn't so brainy and intelligent that I'd learned to write before I went to school. So, of course, my teachers taught me how to write, which was what you do when you go to school. After a few years, I suddenly had one of my light bulb ideas. Like, ding! And I suddenly thought, wait a minute, I love reading books. By this time, reading books was my biggest hobby. I love reading books. I love reading other people's stories. And now I'm learning to write. Hey, why don't I try writing my own stories? So that's exactly what I did. I started off just writing a few lines all the time, because I, I couldn't write very fast when I was very young. But over the years, as it went on, I started writing longer and longer stories, hundreds of different stories, loads of different stories about lots of different subjects. I wrote about schools, I wrote school stories, I wrote family stories, I wrote animal stories, I wrote mystery stories, I wrote space travel stories, I wrote adventure stories, I wrote thrillers. I tried my hand at everything. And in a way, I think I was almost practicing how I was going to become a writer, I hoped, um, in the future. And what I used to do was I used to save all my stories and I kept them in a big blue box file. It was absolutely massive. And over time, this box file got so full of all my stories written on all different bits of paper, I couldn't actually close the lid. And I used to keep this under my bed, and it was my most treasured possession. Right, here I am, getting a bit older now. I mean, in England, we say... Um, I would be in year four. I don't know whether it's the same um, here in Scotland, but I was about nine or ten. And around about this time, I had a class teacher whose name was Mr. Young. Now, the name of Mr. Young used to strike terror into people's hearts in the school because he was a really strict teacher. He had a little moustache and he was very straight-backed. I think he might have been in the army. And we were all terrified of Mr. Young. Um, and nobody ever messed around in his class. But the thing about Mr. Young was he was actually very kind underneath this very stern and strict exterior. And he noticed two things about me when I became a pupil in his class. He noticed that firstly, I was absolutely rubbish at maths. And I still am. And we didn't have calculators in those days because we're talking about many years ago. But secondly, Mr. Young also noticed that I was good at English. And being very, a very kind teacher, he used to give me school exercise books from the school stationery cupboard. I'm not sure it was actually meant to do that. And he'd let me take them home. And he'd say, Narinda, if you'd like to take this beautiful, clean, white exercise book home and write some stories, I'll mark them for you. And I didn't have to do it. It wasn't homework. I just did it because I wanted to. So I'd take the books home and I'd scribble out some stories and I'd take them to Mr Young the next day and he would mark them. And he didn't just go, oh, yeah, that's, that's good, tick and a star or nine out of ten. He would actually go through the story with me and say, well, this bit's good. I like that character, but how could you improve this bit? And he actually took the time to talk to me about the best way to make up a story. And looking back now, I'm really grateful that Mr. Young took the time to do that. Although, when you're only nine and your teacher's going, well, this bit could be a bit better, you feel a bit, oh, I didn't do as well as I could have done. But actually, all the things that he told me, even the bad things, actually helped me to improve my stories. Now, I mentioned at the beginning I've got two sisters. Here we are, just after 
my youngest sister was born. This is me, Narinda, Sarinda, Varinda. I think my parents like rhyming names. Uh, but we all got called nicknames after that because it's too, too awkward to remember all those. And my sisters and I, of course, we fought, like cats and dogs, as brothers and sisters do. But as my sisters got a little bit older, I told you I'm full of good ideas. I had another light bulb moment. Ding! A ready-made audience for my stories. So what I used to do was get my sisters to sit down on the sofa. Not an easy task because they were really naughty. And I'd stand in front of them with my story and I'd read my story out to them, my latest story. And if they started going, oh, can we go now? I'd say no, but I knew that my story wasn't keeping their attention. I knew they weren't bothered about what happened next. My story wasn't interesting enough. But if my sister sat there like this and couldn't take their eyes off me as I was reading, I knew that meant that my story was holding their attention and they wanted to know what happened next, which of course is the main point of every story. Right, here I am. Now, I'm in my brownie uniform, but I think I was a very old brownie. I think I was just about to leave the brownies because I was about 11 here. And my story now becomes very sad. Oh, thank you. Because what happened was, I went off to secondary school. I got, I got a place at a girls' grammar school. And boy, was the homework massive. We got masses of homework from the very first year. And I remember very clearly staggering home with my school bag on my shoulder with so much homework inside, I couldn't actually stand up straight. And sadly, what happened was that all that lovely time I had for my hobbies and writing stories has kind of all shrunk away. And by the time I was about 13 or 14, and there I am in my incredibly flattering pink satin dress, at my uncle's wedding, I kind of stopped writing stories for pleasure at just the age of 14, and I only wrote them when my teachers at school asked me to. So I didn't write any stories between the ages of about 14 onwards. Now, when I was 18, I got a place at university. I was very lucky, but I did study very hard. And I was going to Birmingham University to study my most favourite subject, obviously, English. And also, I was leaving home for the first time, so I was really excited and a bit scared. So I was in my bedroom at home, and I was packing away all my stuff, ready to go off to university after the summer holidays. And as I was packing, I looked under my bed, which is never a good thing to do, because there's always loads of dust and rubbish under there. And right at the back, I saw this big, dusty blue box file. And I thought, ah, oh, my stories! I haven't seen those for four, three or four years. So I pulled this box out and dusted it off. And I got all my stories out from the very, very little ones I'd written when I was about seven or eight, right up to the pages and pages, big exercise books filled I'd written when I was older. And I read them all, from the small ones to the big ones. And at the end, I said to myself, well, I'm never going to need this rubbish again. And I threw it all in the bin. And if anyone asks me what I really regret most about my life, it would be that. Because I really wish I'd kept them. But well, now I look back, I think, well, what was I, what was I thinking? What did I say to myself? And the only thing I can think of is I must have thought something like, I'm only an ordinary girl from Wolverhampton. My dad's a bus driver. I'm nothing special. How can I ever be a writer? So I kind of threw all my dreams in the bin. But life has a funny way of coming back at you, as you obviously have already realised. 
But anyway, I went off to university, had a great time. And if you're wondering who my lovely assistant is over there, who is also wearing a Spring Hill Star shirt, that is my husband. And I met Robert, and I met him at university. There we are. Oh, he's got a little bit more hair than he has now. This was the 1980s when everything was big. Big hair, big glasses, big earrings, and big teeth, big smile. Um, and after university, we moved to London, and I got a teaching job, and we got married. And there we are on our wedding day. So I had a brand new life. And I started teaching in primary schools in London. And obviously, we settled down. We bought a flat. But like I said, life has a habit of coming back at you when you're least expecting it. And although I was very happy being a teacher, it was always in the back of my head. Over the years, this little nagging voice got louder and louder. And it kept saying, Narinda. Narinda, you wanted to be a writer, you wanted to write a book, and you haven't done it. Why not? And I'd say, oh, go away, I'm far too busy. I'm a teacher, I've got lessons to prepare, I've got, lessons, I've got work to mark, I've got displays to put up, I, I, I haven't got time to write. And then something absolutely fantastic happened to me, and if this hadn't happened to me, I don't think I would have become a writer at all. I was reading a magazine one day, and I saw a competition, and it said, write the first three chapters of a book and win a prize. And I thought, oh, the first three chapters of a book, that's not too bad. It's not like writing a whole book, is it? Maybe I could give this a go. And the prizes were fantastic. The first prize was a trip to Florida, and I'd, we'd never been to America at that point. And the second prize was a computer. Now, computers in those days were really expensive. And I say a computer, but there was no internet, there was no email, you just typed your documents on them. So they were better than a typewriter. You know, where if you make a mistake, you have to use whiteout over your mistake. So I thought, wow, this sounds good, I'm going to have a go. So I sat down and I typed my three chapters on a typewriter because we didn't have a computer. I sent them off. About three months later, I got a letter back. You have won a prize. <laughs> Florida, here I come. No, I didn't win the trip to Florida. But I did win the computer. And just so that you can have a guess at how old I am, this is the computer that I actually won. <laughs> oh, it raises a giggle, that one. Yes, the screen is in green on black. There's no mouse. And I also won a printer, which was absolutely fantastic. Unfortunately, it's not like the printers now, where you just put in a stack of paper and you press print and you go off and have a cup of tea or watch a football match. In those days, you had to put the pieces of paper in one by one yourself. So if you were printing a 500-page book, you could be there for quite some time. But I thought this was great because I'd got a computer. My husband said, right, this is a sign. Leave your teaching job and become a writer. So that's exactly what I did. And looking back, I can't believe I was so brave. I'm all stupid, one or the other. So at the end of the summer holidays, here I am, looking incredibly excited because I knew I've got all my stuff packed up. I was leaving my job and I was going to become a writer. So on the first day of the summer holidays, when everyone else was enjoying themselves, I sat down in my desk at my new computer, all my pens and papers, and I thought, now I am a writer. I am really a writer. And as I sat there, do you know what the first thing that came into my head was? I wish it had done, you clever boy. I'll tell you exactly what came into my head. Nothing. Zilch, zero. My mind was a blank. And I suddenly thought, and I panicked. I didn't run around like this, but in my head I was panicking. And I thought, 
I need something to write about, you idiot. Why haven't you got an idea? And I realised then the most important lesson about being a writer is you have to have something to write about. More than that, you have to have something that people want to read when you've written it. So as I was sitting there panicking, something leapt into my head, and it's something that saved me loads of time since because it was based on something from my real life. And I remembered a little girl at the school where I'd just been teaching. Her name was Fazana. Now, Fazana was a very quiet little girl. She never spoke much. But the thing about Fazana that make, made her special, because everyone has something that makes them special, is she was a really, really fast runner. And she could beat anybody in her year group. And there were a couple of boys who didn't like being beaten by a girl and they used to throw a strop because, you know, they didn't think it was right that they should be beaten by a girl. And I thought, wow, this could be an idea for a book here, a story about a little girl who's a really fast runner and a boy who thinks he's the fastest and they have a bet to see who's the fastest person and a challenge. So I sat down at my computer and I was away, I wrote my book and I sent it to a publisher. And the very first publisher I sent it to said they would like to publish it. And that was the best, one of the best feelings. Not as good as getting married to you, obviously, Robert. But it was one of the best days of my whole life when I got the letter saying we would like to publish your book. And that was the first of many. Now, before I go on to tell you loads of stuff about The Beautiful Game, I'm just going to show you a very few, very quickly, of some of my other books so you can see exactly what I've been doing all this time since I left my teaching job. I write books for all age groups, and as you can see, football makes some appearances somewhere else. That's a collection of short stories. Um, I write books to help younger children learn to read, and I've also written for lots of series like The Popular Sleepover Club. And some of my favourite books are based on me and my two sisters, and that's my babes quartet. And some of them have been published in other languages, which is always very interesting. So we've got some French ones down here got a German one up there and that's American edition so of course it's in English so we can all read that and then we've got a couple of books set in the same school as the Babes Quartet but about different characters now football leading on to the beautiful game I haven't mentioned football much when I talked to you earlier but that's because I'm not actually quite sure when I really got interested in football now, my dad and my granddad, who lived with us, were really keen football fans when I was young. But to me, I thought football was dull, dull, dull. I just didn't want to watch it. But we're talking about a long, many years ago. And in those days, families only usually had one TV in their house. This is because TVs were really... I mean, they're not cheap now, but they were really expensive for most people in those days. Also, I bet you won't believe this unless your parents have already told you, although they don't all look as old as me, I must say. There were only three channels. There was BBC One. I've got a young lady looking amazed down here. BBC One, BBC Two, ITV. That's it. There was not... This is even before the days of Channel Four, so parents among you will be guessing how old I am. Nothing else. So if my dad and granddad wanted to watch football, the two of them, and because they were the men, and men had the power in those days... Not any more girls, eh? But they, if they wanted to watch football, we had to watch it. We had no choice. So over the years, when I was growing up, I kind of got more interested in football. And one season, I actually watched the FA Cup final with my dad and grand, and I actually enjoyed it. That was the Chelsea Leeds in 1970, which is many, many years ago. And I was hooked from then on. 
And my dad started taking me to see Wolverhampton Wanderers, or Wolves as they're called, because that's where we lived. Um, and football became a huge part of my life, and I still go now. In actual fact, my husband and I were at the Wolves game on Saturday when they lost 2-0 to West Ham. Not so good, but you have to take the rough with the smooth in football. Also, my husband and I support England. Am I allowed to say that in Scotland? I hope so. That's me outside the Millennium Stadium there. Um, so we'll pass quickly on from there. So when I was asked in 2002 if I would write the book based on the film, as Nikki mentioned, Bend It Like Beckham, I thought, yes, it's a great film. I'd be happy to write the book based on the film. And the book and the film were really successful. The problem was my book was based on the film, so it wasn't my story. So it was like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. It's a really good story. So then... I got the magical phone call from the very lovely people at Orchard Books who said to me, Narinda, would you like to write us a new series based on a girls' football team? And I said, would I? Yes, I would, please. And that's how the series, The Beautiful Game, was born. Oh, sorry, before we go on to that, thank you, lovely assistant over there. I've just got a few of my foreign editions of Bendit Like Beckham. We've got a couple of German ones and a Japanese one always causes a bit of a stir. Sorry, yes. Now I can get onto The Beautiful Game. Right, The Beautiful Game is actually a series of six books. I'll explain to you why there's only four books up there in a minute. Let me tell you a little bit about each book. The first book is out now, and it's called Hannah's Secret. That's the one with the lovely shiny cover. There's Hannah there. Now, Hannah is, has just joined a team called the Spring Hill Stars, so she's a new girl on the team. Now, Hannah's played football all her life for various teams, and her, but her mum and dad are kind of like, I'm sure you've seen like showbiz parents who want their kids to do well on the X Factor and are very, very pushy and whatever. Well, Hannah's parents are like that. Hannah's mum brings a video camera to every game and she films every game of Hannah's so they can watch it back at home and tell Hannah where she went wrong or where she could do better, whatever. And Hannah's dad is really pushy and he stands on the touchline yelling at Hannah, come on, Hannah, over there, look, look ahead. Think where you're kicking the ball. And so Hannah, is a bit <laughs> Hannah wishes they wouldn't do this, but she, she can't really say it. However, Hannah has a secret life of her own that her parents know nothing about, and that's why the book's called Hannah's Secret. The second book, which is this lovely yellow one up here, which is out early next year, is called Lauren's Best Friend. Now, Lauren, you might, see, you might even see her family in Heat magazine or OK magazine or Hello magazine because her parents are very wealthy and they live a life like a celebrity or like a premiership footballer. They have a big house. Lauren has wardrobes of designer clothes and they go on exotic holidays and have fancy cars and whatever. However, Lauren's friends don't know that she's secretly very unhappy. And so that's Lauren's story. The third book is called Georgie's War. There's Georgie there with the big nice smile. Now Georgie is the wild and rebellious one of the group. She's got four brothers. Her mum's dead, she lives with her four brothers and her dad, so it's an all-male household, so Georgie is a bit of a tomboy. And she doesn't like things changing that she can't control. So when her team, the Spring Hill Stars, get a new football coach, Georgie is not pleased at all. She decides she hates the coach, and so there's trouble and massive fireworks ahead. Now, the fourth book is called Golden Girl Grace. That's what 
The other girls in the team call Grace, golden girl, perfect princess. She's beautiful, she's tall, she's got long blonde hair, she's really nice, everybody likes her, and they think she's got the perfect life. And so does Grace, until she discovers that her parents are splitting up. Now, I said just a, minute, a few minutes ago, there are, there are six books in the Beautiful Game series. Now, I know all of you here are really clever, and you can only see four books in front of you. So I'm sure you're thinking, what about the other two books? I'll let you into a little secret. I'm still writing those. But the other two books, book five is about Jasmine Sharma, who is a delightfully ditzy-dippy character who occasionally trips over her own feet on the football field, but is a very nice girl. And the sixth book is about a girl called Katie, who's Polish and has only been in the country for a few years, and she's quite a mysterious girl, very quiet and mysterious, and the others don't quite know what to make of her. Now, I should have warned you about this before, and I didn't. So now we'll find out at the end who's been listening to what I've been saying, because we're going to have a little quiz at the end, and I'm going to ask you some, of the, some questions about the beautiful game. There's some prizes to be won as well. So, without further ado, you can settle down again and relax, because I'm going to read you a little bit from Hannah's Secret. Then, as Nikki said at the beginning, we're going to have some questions and answers, and I think somebody is going to come around with a microphone so I can hear you. And the, the questions and answers are the bit I like best, because then I get to talk to you. Unfortunately, they're the bit, also the bit I like least, because what often happens is I say, or Nikki will say, are there any questions? Aren't you shy to ask any questions? And so we all sit there like this. And then you'll have to listen to me talking some more instead of you having a chat with me. So if you've got any questions, try and remember them for after I've done the reading. Okay. As I mentioned to you, Hannah is the girl with the pushy parents. The book opens on her birthday. It's the Easter holidays and she's celebrating her birthday with her mum and dad. It's also a day that Hannah is going on a football course that her football coach has put her forward for with the other five girls, Lauren, Gra uh, Georgie, Grace, Jasmine and Katie. And Hannah's looking forward to getting to know her football teammates a little bit more. Unfortunately, Hannah's birthday breakfast is interrupted when Hannah's half-sister, Olivia, who is the daughter of Hannah's dad's first marriage and lives with her mum close by, decides to come and interrupt Hannah's birthday breakfast. And I'll just let you know, Hannah and Olivia do not get on at all. Olivia is a little bit older than Hannah, who's just had her 12th birthday. So Olivia marches into Hannah's birthday breakfast and says, Dad, I want to come and live with you here. I want to move out from my mum's. So of course, Hannah is, as you could guess, not very pleased. You've got to be joking! I burst out, and then I blushed as Dad gave me one of his looks. Olivia also glared at me. Oh, thanks so much for that very helpful comment, Hannah. She remarked in an icy tone. I was talking to my dad, not to you. I had to bite my lip to stop myself from saying anything more. I was reminded of a bitter argument Olivia and I had had when I was seven years old and Olivia was ten. The argument was about which one of us was dad's favourite daughter. And I think Olivia started it, although I really can't remember. Mum was furious when we wouldn't stop yelling at each other and she sent us up to our rooms. But Olivia, as usual, was determined to have the last word. She sneaked out and slipped a note under my bedroom door. Dad loves me more than he loves you, Olivia had written. He told me so. I had never forgotten it. 
I glanced at Mum, hoping she'd back me up, but she was standing there with her mouth open and an egg in either hand. If it had been me, I think I would have thrown them at Olivia. Livy, sweetheart, please, Dad said. You can't march in here and drop a bombshell like that. What about your mother? She'd be really hurt if you moved down. Oh, Dad, get real, Olivia broke in impatiently. Mum won't care now, not now she's seeing Martin. She jumped up and put her arms around Dad, and I wrinkled my nose in disgust. Olivia was a grand master of emotional blackmail. I miss you, Dad, she wheedled. Mum would be cool with me coming to live with you. I knew she would. I know she would. Dad hesitated, and I felt my tummy tying itself into knots. There was just no way I could live with my uber-spoilt half-sister. I would have to run away or hire a hitman. Now, Olivia, you know I need to speak to your mother before we even think about making any big decisions like this. Dad mumbled, looking very uncomfortable. Now, I'm taking Hannah to her football course after breakfast, so I'll drop you off on home on the way. Olivia's face darkened. Oh, well, if football's more important than my future and the rest of my whole life, she announced dramatically, then I guess I'll just have to be a good little girl and put up with it without complaining like I always do. And she stomped out of the kitchen with her nose in the air. Livy, please, Dad began. Oh, like, whatever, Olivia snapped and we heard her stomp off down the hallway towards the front door. <sighs> I'll get her out of the garage and talk to the car, Dad said, rushing after her. I mean, I'll get the car out of the garage and talk to her. You enjoy your birthday breakfast, Hannah. I only half finished Mum's man-sized breakfast. Actually, it would have fed three men for a week. But I deliberately didn't hurry to collect my jacket and my sports kit. Why should Olivia have it all her own way, I thought sulkily. She was a major pain in the butt. I was only a few years younger than her, and I didn't behave that way. I didn't dare. So why should Olivia get away with it? Mum, I said anxiously, you don't want Olivia to move in with us, do you? Well, it would be a bit disruptive, I admit, Mum replied. Then she turned a little pink, as if she thought she'd said too much. Oh, but you heard your dad, honey. Nothing can be decided quickly, so we'll just have to wait and see for the moment what Olivia's mum says. I didn't bother to say anything more. Mum might object at first, but eventually she'd go along with whatever dad wanted, so there was no point. Miserably, I trudged down the hallway, imagining what it would be like to have Olivia living here all the time. The two of us at each other's throats, and Mum and Dad trying to keep the peace. It would be like living in a sitcom, except it wouldn't be the least bit funny. Dad and Olivia were sitting in the car talking when I climbed into the back seat. Olivia looked a lot happier, which made me feel even more depressed. What had Dad been promising her? Oh, honestly, Dad, I can walk home, Olivia said as we pulled off the drive. No, she only offered after Dad had started up the car and backed it out onto the road. I don't want Hannah to be late for her football course because of me. Oh, they so, Olivia. She always comes over all sugary sweet after she's been a total pain. Oh, it's only a couple of minutes out of the way, Dad. Reply, we won't be very late. Are you okay with that, Hannah? Olivia inquired, turning to glance at me. No, I am so not okay with that. Go away, I hate you. Yes, was what I actually said. Olivia smiled. Well, it's more of a smirk, if you want to be accurate. Then she ignored me completely and talked to Dad until we reached her mum's house. I didn't care. I sat silently in the back of the car, hugging my sports bag. Olivia always thought she was better than me because she was Dad's favourite and oh so clever, but she didn't know everything. In fact, not even Mum and Dad knew everything about me either. I unzipped my bag slightly and peeked inside. There it was, the pink envelope, my special secret birthday card, the one no one else knew anything about. I'd open it later when I was alone. Dad, you won't forget about that shopping trip you promised me, Olivia said when we stopped outside her house. I rolled my eyes. I knew that to be a bribe in there somewhere. 
I won't forget, Dad promised. And the other thing, Olivia persisted, moving in with you. Will you talk to Mum? Oh, yes, but it's going to take time, sweetie. Oh, Dad, for God's sake, Olivia snapped. I can't stay with Mum. She's driving me mad. She flung open the car door and Dad winced as it narrowly missed a nearby tree. If you won't do something about it, then I will. Olivia, what do you mean, Dad began. But Olivia had made her grand exit from the car, leaving the door wide open. She kicked open the garden gate and walked up the path. It was really impressive, except she tripped on an uneven paving slab and almost went head over heels. Uh, right, Dad said in a very fake, cheerful voice when Olivia had slammed the front door pointedly behind her. Let's get you to your football course, Hannah. Phew. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and now, hopefully, I'm going to be chatting with some of you. Um, and we're going to do some questions and answers, I hope. We've got, we've got a little bit of time, so... Everybody's going, oh, I'm so shy. I can't, I can't ask a question. You can ask a question. I'll answer anything within reason. You're in, were you doing your quiz first? Or no, I'll do it at okay, the end. Okay, great. Yes. Yeah, lovely. Has anybody got any questions? There's one down the front here, and we'll just wait till the microphone gets to you. Um, I'm afraid Mr. Young was very elderly when I was at school, so I believe he died before my first book came out, which is rather sad, I'm afraid. But um, I'll always be grateful to him. I think most people remember at least one teacher from when they were at school who was inspirational or particularly kind to them in one way, and Mr. Young was definitely mine. Okay, there's a question around here with the girl in pink. How many books have you actually written? Oh, that is such a brilliant question, and I'll tell you what you can do, because I don't actually know. Robert, could you just... If you go to my website, go to all the books, you can count them up for me. Because <laughs> I, I think it's about 176. <laughs> I've been a busy girl. It's a lot of books. There's a boy over here who'd like to ask a question. Are you, going, are you going to make another series? Oh, I hope so. Series are quite nice because you get to go back to the same characters. Because a beautiful game, although each book is about a different girl, obviously they're all teammates in the Spring Hill Stars. So I get to revisit the characters all the time, which is really nice, because you get to know them better than if you're just writing a single book about them. Of course, there's always a danger that you might re keep repeating yourself a little bit, so you have to make sure you keep the books fresh. But I hope to do another series, yes. That's a very good question, thank you. Can we take this one here? How long does it take you to write, write a book? One of these books. Yeah. Can I just say, I really like your coat. I've been looking at it ever since you came in, because my favourite colour is red. Oh. One of these books, well, as I just said, when you know the characters, it becomes easier to write the book. But the first book, I had to do four different versions before my editor at Orchard, who cracks the whip and says, you've got to change this, you've got to change that, was, was satisfied. So the first one is always really tricky. But when you're doing a series, as you go through, they become easier because you get to know the characters. So the first one probably took me longer than the others, and it probably took me about two, three months to write. <laughs> are you impressed or not? Okay, are you <laughs> they're about 30, about 30 to 40,000 words. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Mm. Yes. <laughs> Parents are looking impressed. It's always a good thing. <laughs> what book have you most enjoyed writing? Oh, gosh. Um, I really enjoyed George's War because she's such a feisty character and she's quite cheeky and rebellious. So it's always fun to write about characters like that. When you're writing about really good characters, it's, it's nice, but it's not as interesting as writing about people who have that little bit of danger. So I think probably that one was my favourite. And she's got such a great face, the girl in models. Actually, you might be interested in this. Although these are, 
our pictures, what we did was we looked at different girls, real girls, mm. and then the pictures were based on real girls. So she's a real girl. <laughs> she's got a great, great smile there. There's a question in the aisle at the back there. How do you get ideas for your books? Oh, what a brilliantly loud and clear voice you have. How do I get ideas for my books? How shall I say? Well, you heard what I said when I sat down at my computer that first day after I left my teaching job. It's very difficult. It's easy to get ideas. If somebody said to me, give me 10 ideas for a book, I could do it now. No problem. But when I looked at those 10 ideas, I'd probably say, hmm, I don't like any of them really. Because it's, and a book isn't just a sentence about, oh, I'll write a story about a cat who wanted to be a dog. Then you have to make up a whole story about that. And you have to, of course, everybody wants to know in a story. They want to be gripped, they want to be entertained, they want to know what's coming next. Like I said to you, that is the main thing for a story. What happens next? If your reader doesn't want to know what happens next, why write the story? So it's very difficult to get those ideas where you, want, you know that the reader's going to go, oh my, I have to know what happens next. So the answer is with great difficulty. I just have to sit and think, and I sit down with my piece of paper, and I, I write ideas down, and sometimes I, draw, I doodle and make myself think better. Mm -hmm. My husband really laughs at this, but at home, I have lots and lots of scrap paper, and I have a box, a big black box of special pens that no one else in the house is allowed to use. And if my husband takes one, I always know. I say, have you been in my special box of taking my pens? Because they are the pens that I use when I'm doodling or doing flow charts, perhaps like you do at school, or diagrams to try and work my story out. So it takes a lot of hard work. Mm. Thank you for that great question. I've just Before we come to the... We're going to ask you what your questions are, but uh, I wonder if you could just show us your hand if you've ever written a football story. Is there anybody in the room that's ever written a football story? At school, maybe? Oh, well done. Right, okay, because, you know, like Narinda, I used to be a teacher, and often children would write football stories. And a lot of the teachers that I worked with would say, oh, no, football again. Tell them not to write a football story. <laughs> but I think it's about learning to write a good football story. So can you, can you tell us what a, a good football story has in it? Well, the trouble is with football stories is because there are so many, it's quite difficult to get a new idea about them. That's why The Beautiful Game was great, because it's about girls' football. It was following on from Bendy Like Beckham in a way, but Bendy Like Beckham was a much older girl, so these are younger girls. This was all new. Um, but when you come to describe matches in the books, it's quite hard not to, <laughs> not to fall into those old sayings that you see in the newspapers all the time, you know, and it can sound very, very boring and you really have to spice it up. So writing the football bits is great, but it can be quite difficult. Mm. So it's really finding a good story and exactly. then writing the football around it. And this way. is what The Beautiful Game is about. Although each book is heavily football-based and features lots of football staff, the girls have their own stories outside the football team and within the football team, and that's what makes it interesting for me. They're not just people who play football. They've got their whole lives, their family, their friends, etc. Girl in pink. Well, I read the sleepover club books, and I noticed there was lots of different authors. So, did you work with a team of people? Did you say about the sleepover clubs? Yeah, yeah the sleepover club. There were so many of them that were written by lots and lots of different people. Yes, there was a team of us, and we all had to take on the characters. But these are all my characters that I work. The characters we worked out at Orchard, and we did work with the team at Orchard to come up with the really interesting characters. Um, so, yes, that's a very good question. Mm. Thank you. You really like the Sleepover series. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's a question right at the back there. Uh, 
hello, I'm a bit <laughs> older. Um, yeah, I'm speaking on behalf of my girls, they're shy. Um, when you were younger and you started writing your books, um, did you ever like start with a story and then sort of went off in another direction? Um, you know, from the original you get a story. Idea. Yeah. Yes, and, and I, I still do that okay. now. You know, mm -hmm. you get an idea and you think, yes, that's good, but you shouldn't be afraid to add other things to your stories if you think of something along the way. Just because you thought of one thing doesn't make it the best thing ever. Your mind is always turning over the other possibilities, and I'm always quite prepared. Even if I've done, even if I've told the publisher what my story is going to be, if I think I could change something for the better, I'll always do it and tell them that I'm changing this because I think this works better. So yes, you should never be afraid. Um, never be afraid to change it. Okay. Here. Lady down here. Thank you. So just a couple of things, actually. Have you ever written a book with a boy as the main character? I have. Um, Animal Crackers and Changing Places are two of them. Um, but I must admit, I do tend to write for girls. <laughs> and secondly, have you met David Beckham? Oh, now this is such a sad story. Oh, sad story. Uh, when Bendy Like Beckham, the film came out, my husband and I were invited to the premiere in Leicester Square, which is the first time the film is shown and, and uh, the area is all roped off and people, and autograph hunters stand around waving their books, but not at me and my husband, obviously, but for the celebrities and we're invited to the screening. So we're really excited because we were told David Beckham was going to be there. I was just like, yes, getting to sign my copy of the book. Unfortunately, this was in 2002, and some of you are probably too young to remember, but it was just before the World Cup, which happened in Japan and Korea that year. And the day before the film premiere, David Beckham broke his metatarsal, his toe. Ooh. And we weren't even sure if he was going to make it to the World Cup. I mean, he did, but he didn't play that one. We got knocked out eventually. So he didn't come to the premiere. Oh, we were gutted, we were. But he and Victoria sent a huge bouquet for Gorinda Chadder, who was the director of Bending Like Beckham, and they presented it to her on stage, and it said, sorry, we can't be here, David and Victoria. So that was the closest I got, although I have seen him play for many times. <laughs> there was a question right at the back of the room I could see. I think I have an idea for some next books. Ooh, brilliant. Get, come on, come on. <laughs> say, like, um, the team that they're against, you could say have um, them as the main character. You mean the other team? Yeah. That's a very good idea. Thank you for that. Mm. I'll make a note of that when I leave the tent. <laughs> but if you've got ideas, you should also save them for your own stories. Don't you think, Narinda? Oh, uh, yes, yeah. I do. But if you would like to, if you would like to email me, <laughs> And tell your parents if you're going to email me. They always say that, and it's always on the website as well. If you use that button, get in touch. If you email, if you send a, a message to me, I will email you back. But as I said, always tell your parents, of course, if you're emailing anyone on, the webs uh, on a website, um, but I will reply to you. Mm. You know, Narendra, I've noticed that you like clothes because you picked out this lovely red <laughs> coat down here. But if you were designing your own football strip, what would it look like? I think it would look like that coat, actually. <laughs> well, it would be bright red, um, perhaps red and black stripes, but I've got a feeling AC Milan in Italy playing red and black stripes, but definitely, um, maybe I'd have some coordinated jewellery to go with it <laughs> as well. Yeah. Red stone bracelet or something, ruby bracelet and oh, earrings. Oh, yes. I'd like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> We've got time maybe for just a couple more questions, because mm. I know Narinda's got a quiz for you, I but have. we'll have one down here. 
Just a fashion idea. I've got three daughters with long hair. Couldn't you design some sort of football hair accessories <laughs> that could <laughs> keep the hair out of the way? Do, you, do they play football? The middle one does. Mid yeah. middle one does. Oh, that's a really good. Uh, it's funny actually. You should say that because I should have said at the beginning. Apparently, there are about 1.2 million girls and women who play football in leagues now. Because when I was a girl, well, you know, girls just didn't play football. Well, you know, that just wasn't done. Um, we used to kick a ball around with the, the, our boys who were fr friends of ours who lived in that street. But you'd, but now there are loads of leagues. If anyone wants to play, I'm sure there are some around Edinburgh or close by. Um, as for the hair accessory, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I mean. Some of the footballers have long hair, don't they, in the Premiership or I'm sure in, in the Scottish um, Premiership as well. And you, you know, the old headband and whatever yeah. might do the trick. Mm. <laughs> I feel a competition coming on Orchard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was there another question over here? Right at the front. Uh, this one here, because this little boy's already had one question. Um, we've got football games on our DSs and we design the different kits oh, do every you? time we play. And I, I've got two kits. I've got a red one with a black stripe around the middle. Oh, that sounds nice. And then, I, and I've got a green and blue one, Fantastic. but like split down diagonally. So you can design your own kits for your own team. Oh, brilliant! So obviously not, we're obviously not technical enough to do that, Nikki. No, <laughs> but we can learn. We can learn. <laughs> Okay, I think because we have this one last question here, sorry to send you oh, back sorry. again, and then Narindi might want to yes, go into your yeah. Who do you support? Ooh. That's a good question. <laughs> I support Wolves still, I'm afraid. Wolverhampton Wanderers, who got beaten on Saturday 2-0. My husband is a Tottenham Hotspur supporter, so feel free to hiss and boo him if you wish. And of course, we both support him. <laughs> Time for my quiz. Do you want me to step up? Um, step well, I think someone's going to have to hand the prize. Right, I'm going to do a little quiz now. Now, some of the answers to the questions are right in front of you. So it'll be whoever puts their hand up first, no calling out. And Orchard have kindly given me some fantastic, beautiful game pens, and you'll have hours of fun working out how to use them because they will only work if the ball is on the little hook there. So it actually took us ages to work it out. I'm sure you'll be much, much better. Okay, do you want to? Yeah, I'll do that. I've got to look for who puts their hands up first. Yes, yeah, so, well, we'll do it together. Okay. Perhaps one on each side, maybe. Oh. Right. Right. I'll let you show you who it is. And if there's any fighting or protests, they'll come after you and not me. <laughs> Right, first question. What is the name of the first book in the Beautiful Game oh, series? It was The Red Coat. The Red Coat. <laughs> and it is? Anna's Secret is correct. Well done. They were all listening. Did you see those hands shoot up? My goodness. They were. Right, next question. What is the name of the football team in the Beautiful Game series? Oh, was I this think a little boy in the blue? Yes, yeah. the boy what in the blue. is it? It is, yes. Who answered there? All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, okay. If, um, the little boy in the blue put his hand up too. Could, perhaps they could both have a pen. Yes, that. no problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Next question. How many books are there in the series? Oh, 
pink, um, dark pink uh, tracksuit here, yeah. Which ones? With the glasses and there? the long blonde hair, just here, yes. right? Yes, yeah. long blonde hair, yes. yes. How many books? Six is correct. Right. How many pens have we got left, Robert? Okay, that's brilliant, that'll do. Right, apart from Hannah, name one of the other girls in the teams. At the end here, uh, three rows Just back. Just a minute, don't answer until we know who you are. Yes, three rows back, yes. Grace, yes, well done. Well done. Hang on, haven't finished yet. <laughs> Next question. Oh, <laughs> you know, you're a mind reader. <laughs> Name an, another football book I've written that's oh. not in the Beautiful Game series. Yeah, definitely the boy with the blue uh, hoodie here. Well done. Three more. Ooh. Right, now this is a slightly difficult question because the answer is not in front of you. It'll depend how well you are listening. Can you name one of the other two girls whose covers are not up there yet who are in the Spring Hill Stars? Oh, oh, that was really hard. That one, they all went up together. This girl at the front here. This yes. one? Katie, yes, well done. Gosh, what good memories. They should they have. They're their obviously exams. listening beautifully. <laughs> You've been a fantastic audience. How many have we got, Robert? Can anyone name the other girl whose cover is not oh, here? Yeah, I think it's here, yeah. Jasmine, well done. You were listening carefully. One left, okay. Can anyone tell me? <laughs> that was not the question. That wasn't me either. Can anyone tell me how many players are in a normal size football team? Oh, it was the little boy in red over here. Little boy in red. Oh, we've got a. Oh, we got a tie. We've got a tie. Have we got any more pens? <laughs> we have just got one more, okay. I think. Thank you, Andrew. Got a tie there with the two boys there. <laughs> it's difficult when you don't know yes. the name. Yeah, I we've know. got one for you as well. <laughs> I think they should have a big round of applause. I think they, they should. That was brilliant. Well done, especially those who were listening really carefully. And we are giving our pens to the first 25 people. Well, thank you very much for listening. I think we're a little bit early finishing, but we have got some giveaways for you. So it's going to take us a while to get you in and out of the tent and get ready for the next per people. So thank you very much for listening to me. You've been a fantastic audience. Mm. Thank you. Now, I'm going to ask you please to stay seated where you are until I've been able to take Narinda out of the hall to the bookshop just across here where we're going to do the book signing. Uh, when we've left, uh, Andrew's going to give out some giveaways, so you'll be able to pick those up on your way out. I would like to, of course, thank Narinda for a very entertaining talk, and I loved seeing all that stuff about your early life and realising I'm not the only one that had such an ancient brownie uniform. <laughs> I really enjoyed hearing all about the football books. Uh, but I also want to thank our audience because I think they asked such good questions that it made that a really exciting session. So give yourselves a clap and give a big clap for Narinda as well.